one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. A, a grain of rice. A, a grain of rice. If you want to tip the scale, just remember that then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Murad into the game. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping bite of Munster. Okay, welcome everybody to the Irish Examiner GAA Championship Podcast, now sponsored by Renault, the official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. You're very welcome inside in, in studio today. We've got a couple of special guests. We've got Dr. Keen O'Neill, the most recently former Kildare manager. Of course, he was with Kerry and Amy Fitzmaurice and a, a winning coach in 2014 with, with that side. We've got Tony McEntee on the other side of the table, former Cross McLean and Armagh footballer and, and most recently a selector and coach with Mayo. Tony Lean overseeing proceedings and Larry Ryan on sound. Um, welcome, lads. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks very much. Uh, I suppose, you know, there's a lot of lot of stuff to get through after the weekend, but one of the things that jumped out at me with, I suppose, Paul Galvin's uh, appointment above in and, uh, Wexford is just kind of after highlighting, I suppose, how, how much of a, not a merry-go-round, but how much, you know, this inter-county management scene has become such an intense place to be. I think this morning we got 12 different spots up for grabs in hurling and football, some big jobs. Um, no more than your own, I suppose, Keen, that you vacated in, in Kildare. If I, was to, if I was to just start off with, with a very generic kind of a one, give me the toughest part of the gig right now for modern inter-county management or coaches. I, I'd say time. I'd say time. And it's probably no different for players in many ways, but try, trying to manage and navigate your way through having a, a, a work, a job during the week, and then negotiating time to actually, before you even get the training or get the match day, the planning and the preparation that goes around that. And a lot of that incorporates spending quality time with players, whether it's individuals and units with the group. Um, if you really want to, you know, to be the best you can be, you need more than 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week, to be honest. And, and that, to me, was, was the most difficult thing, especially my job would be demanding enough in its own right, no more than anyone else. And just trying to fit everything in um, without question was the most challenging thing for me. I suppose bringing it down to a more human level, the most difficult thing that I found in management that I wouldn't have experienced as a coach 
was those difficult conversations with players when it's coming to to crunch time, particularly yeah. around championship. And and that's not always just about who's in the starting fifteen. In some cases, it might be telling a guy you're not going to make the twenty six and not be involved. And and he's trained as much and as hard and as long as anyone else in that panel. But unfortunately, you, you know you have to make these tough calls. So that that's a part of the job I didn't enjoy, and it certainly was challenging. Yeah, that's, that stuff is not fun. Even even obviously from a from a club perspective, when you're dealing with human emotions like that and, and the disappointment of, of guys who've set their heart on making something and, and you're the one that's that's trying to burst that bubble in a soft way and, and still yeah. keep them engaged in the whole thing because you know going down the line they may be useful or, or important yeah. to you as, as you go. Is it not the case, Keen, though, that, that we make some of this a problem for ourselves? For example, um, do county managers take on more than their role as manager? Like, so we have some counties who take on, say, for example, financial roles or sponsorship support, take on coaching roles, take on S&C roles, because they have, for example, in your, in your own case, you have uh, multiple skills. You, know, you have the S&C, you have the coaching, you have the management responsibility. Do we take on too much role rather than delegating stuff elsewhere? I, I think it's a, a county by county scenario, really. I mean, when I came into Kildare, um, I, I felt that unless we did our own fundraising, you know, as a group of players, and this is four years ago, that I didn't feel we'd have the financial support or clout that you need to bring the best backroom in, to treat the players as best you could. Um, Kildare were in a dark place. They'd gone from Division 1 to 2 to 3, so attendances that had been impacted. Um, revenue coming in naturally had a knock-on effect. Um, but to be fair to the county board after after year two, so we, we did two big fundraisers um, and that's just the finance side of things. They stepped up the next year. We were back in Division One and that was pleasing to see. We were almost rewarded for doing that. But I honestly don't think that unless the management team backroom and players are instrumental put that work in in years one and two maybe we wouldn't have got the you know the reciprocation you know from the county board in years three and four um, but I do agree I mean in some counties they have someone specifically assigned to fundraising or you know obviously logistics everyone has a logistics manager now but I think sometimes it can be human nature if, if your philosophy as a manager is I'm very hands-on and I really want to be connected to the players on every level not just on the training pitch the the offset of that is it takes up so much time. So, you know, I, I agree with the point, but I think it's situation specific as well. And, and I mean, from, from that, Mac, are you, are you kind of saying that, like, you're, you're obviously a big, a big believer in the idea of, of delegating roles and, and, and not kind of, not trying to do everything yourself in that kind of a position? So, yes, in, in short. Um, but it may not be as simple. It may not be as simple as I, as I wish it to be. So if we look at Mayo as an example, you know, Stephen would have been very little involved in, fundraising for the county board at the time and that may have their own structures in place whether it be groups in Galway, New York, London or wherever they, wherever they, they do the fundraising and I think I think certainly in the bigger counties that allows then you to focus on your primary job which is management and man management and man management is the biggest issue um, with, with all these rules but but more importantly um, it means then that you have a straightforward simple-ish um, task to do and you can focus on that task. Now, if we take it elsewhere, for example, in, in my own county, and you would have heard um, Cian, for example, in a recent interview um, when he said that Amas doing really well, which they are, both on the field and off the field, and Cian would be instrumental in a lot of that, and that he would help do a lot of fundraising for the county and bring in a lot of contribution and support to it. But that must be a huge strain on his time and time, sure. and time commitments. And certainly if you are trying to hold down a full-time job, you've got to be realistic in what you can actually do and what you're capable of doing. You know, And if your strengths in... Keen's cases in management and coaching and other areas, well then I think the county board would be foolish to 
not try and maximize that because in, th- in this case this is what he's been brought in for to get that success which in for sure case he did and, and while we're on it backroom teams what 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 kind of number of bodies did you have now involved behind the scenes with you above and Kildare um, all in inclusive of management we would have had 18 um, but that's not 18 at every session every night yeah. if that makes sense I suppose on match day you'd be up to that 18 because you know at least four of them could comprise of uh, you know two stats analysts, uh, performance anal- analyst, and a statistician. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a training every night, you'd have your your management team, your sports science team. We had four in that regard in terms of sports psych, nutrition, uh, strength and conditioning, so on. Um, and then your medical team, you know, so four and three and, and three or four. You know, you're looking at eleven, twelve, and any one given night, your kit yeah. men are. You know, as we all know, they're, they're probably the, the hidden gem of any back room. If you haven't got those guys, we had, you know, Tom and Dan off, phenomenal men. You know, without them, nothing gets done. So you're, you're probably looking at 12 to 14 session by session, maybe 18 on match day. It's a serious crew, like, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's all, all of those guys need, need oxygen to, to, to justify their existence in the thing as well. They, they need to get time with players to do stuff. And, like, it's just, it's fast, isn't it, now? From, yeah. from maybe a manager and a coach and two selectors back in the day, mm-hmm. maybe a masseuse when you were, when you were you know, yeah. if you were lucky. And, and, and the manager has to manage all of them. All of that, yeah. All of them. And just, for, com- just for comparison, Mike, I mean, you're in charge of Cairns O'Rahillies, a club manager, and a, and a Division One championship potential. Mm-hmm. So what have you got? What have you got uh, yeah. with you? Yeah, no, our our sports science team would be a lot less uh, less fancy. We we have about I mean in total like we'd have about six bodies, you know. And maybe on the day of a game, you're you're asking a couple of people to come in and, and hand out water. But listen, that's that's a you know, that's another planet to to where we are. But I I just think at times you know there's 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 no no we have managers, we have head coaches, we have defensive coaches, we have you know attack coaches or offensive coaches. We, we we have coaches we we've kind of nearly broken it down into into such small sections that it's difficult for people to actually have a handle on on the whole general idea of what's going on because at club level no 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 sorry at county club. level at county level i mean like how many how many has jim gavin got involved in his in his backroom team at the moment i mean there was a picture was it after last year's all ireland yeah. where you know they had to go in and get another camera because there was too many bodies in it you know what i mean there there was about 30 people and all of them i'm sure are fulfilling some kind of a role but it's just got so vast and, and it's such a, such a gig now to try and keep a handle on, you know? It is. And I, I suppose the most common question I would have got asked when I took on the Kildare role and even now that I'm gone is, you know, what was the biggest difference between being a coach, you know, and being a manager? And without question, it's, it's that vast expanse of work and responsibilities because as a coach, you know, as, as we all know, you have so much responsibility to the players, mm-hmm. tactical setup, technical development, you know, your performance analysis meetings, but always reporting to the manager as such. Yes. And, and that's kind of, I, I don't want to make it simplistic, that's where your job starts and ends because you're still in touch with players and management during the week. But as a manager, we're back to that 18, 20 people that you mentioned, Michal, that you have to manage them on top of the 35 players. Yes. And then you bring in the relationships and the interactions with the county board, the supporters club, what can be challenging if it's, you know, if it's not your gig, the, the media side of things, uh, and then dealing with all the, potentially, depending on your county, the, the challenges coming from social media and trying to get your head around that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster <laughs> in your head. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking, Keen? The good days are so seldom then. They're so, you know what I mean? Mm. For, I mean, the, the disappointments are so, so outnumber the good days. I'm just wondering, um, knowing you as I do, d- did you get better 
at handling defeat? How bad are you on the night? You know, I mean, I know some people seem to be able to, you know, be pretty philosophical about things. Others like just go into a dark space for three or four days. Like, where were you on that on that scale? Yeah, year one was tough, very tough for me. Um, I suppose it, you know, it wasn't helped by you were coming from a very fortunate position, having worked with really successful teams, brilliant managers that you've learned from, and and there were probably more good days than bad days, you know, with the carries and the tips and and Mayo. But um, I think the the other side is when it's your own county, there's a different level of. I suppose emotion and sensitivity surrounding that. You know, my dad still lives in Kildare. My wife's family are in Kildare. My own family. Um, so every loss is not just a, a disappointment for the group. It's a devastation almost for, for who you represent, which is your own people. And I suppose the best example I could give was our, our first big loss that year. We were in Division 3, as I said. A difficult place for Kildare. We got promoted, but we lost the league final. That You know, you'd be disappointed to lose a Division 3 league final. But I kind of got over it and rationalised it, saying maybe we weren't tuned in enough that Division 3 silverware is better than none. And then we went into the Leinster Championship and uh, we were caught in a semi-final by, uh, by Westmead, ironically managed by Tom Cribben, who was, who was in with me this year, a great guy. Um, but I'm, I'm not joking, I didn't leave the house. I didn't physically leave my house until the Thursday of that week after the Sunday. And it was just, I'd never felt that before. It actually, it scared me, it scared my wife. Um, I have imp- obviously pr- improved since then, but... Jesus, that's an experience that I wouldn't wish on anyone and I wouldn't want to be there myself again. And was that coming from media, Keane, or was that just self self? Yeah, no, it was self-imposed. Um, I just felt that I had let, you know, the team down, the county down, my family down, and it's just what came over me. And I just hadn't been there before. Um, and then you realise how challenging it would have been in Eamon in the past or, you know, in Leem in 2008, you know, when we were caught by Waterford in that semi-final. Um, and as I said, when it's your own county... It's just, just, it's different. I never felt the highs like mm. I did, but mm. I definitely never felt the lows either. You know, and that that's that's tough. And you need to have the skills that I think we all develop over time to deal with that. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, as you talk about about how how all consuming it is for somebody who's trying to work a full time job, like I'm, I'm thinking again, I like it was Paul Galvin that put this into my head, and and Wexford and. Like, does he know what's coming down the tracks here? You know, does he, like a guy who hasn't, I don't think has managed at club level or, you know, and now to take on this role with with everything that's, and the media side of it is something that you only touched on. I mean, it's become so pervasive now with social media and everything and that every training session, every game, everything is just analysed and overanalyzed. Like it's so, it's so consuming. It, it's an incredible thing now for somebody who has never managed at any level in terms of club or anything to step into that environment and, and you know, see how he goes. I mean, Tony, you, like Mayo have had seriously big days and seriously big disappointments. And, you know, obviously I, I spoke to Donny Buckley a couple of times afterwards and, you know, they're monosyllabic conversations and Donny, as you know, is a very loquacious individual usually, even though it wasn't your county. I mean, how crushing are those experiences and how did you deal with them? The really crushing experiences were clearly the defeats in the finals as opposed to the Connacht Championship, yeah. you know. And But the hard the hard parts were the All-Ireland, the All-Ireland finals. And, but in our case, in Mayo, it was because we felt we could have and should have won maybe them. You know, certainly the second one in any case, you know, we felt we, we had it in our hands and we, we let it go. 
So it was more, it was more the disappointment of losing rather than letting everybody down. And Keane's maybe coming from a different angle because he came at a level of expectation built up by himself and he let himself down probably by the sounds of him. And I don't think everybody in the county felt the way he felt. It was probably him. In that case, in Mayo, I think it was more of a case of you know, regret from missed chances and mistakes and whatever else, as opposed to the 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 real hurt from uh, the disappointment that might might came from it. Mm. The different the different situations, like Mayo did really well, mm. didn't win anything, but like did really well, performed really well on certain times of the year, and I, I nearly got there, but didn't, you know. And but and different. and staying on Mayo, I mean, again. Like after after people probably counted them out, even against your own county Armagh, they were they were probably someone that were looking at maybe getting knocked out, and and they do what they've always done: they stay in the game, they stay resilient, and they get themselves a game against Donegal and Castlebar last last weekend. That I suppose they were probably second favourites going into the game, and and yet we're going to be looking at them playing Dublin again next weekend. What did you make of of their performance of the weekend? I, I was at it obviously, and they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. In everything they needed to do. Now, Donegal and saying that were disappointing. They were poor, actually, in a lot of ways. And certainly the key men that you would have pointed out, like Paddy McBrady was well marked by Chris Bart and made a lot of mistakes. Ryan McHugh was marked completely by by um, Paddy Dorkin. It was the best bit of man marking I've seen in yeah. ma- many a year. Like, you and know, scored he, three and points. scored three points. Yeah. Like, he was phenomenal, Paddy Dorkin. And uh, Lee Keegan did a great job of Muffy out the field, although Muffy still had an influence in the game, obviously. But after that, after that, I think Donegal just didn't get to the pace of the game, and Mayo dominated. Casabar's tight; it's, it's very claustrophobic. It's sixty-fives are overlapping in the field. Like you know, it's not a county ground per se. Like it shouldn't be a county ground in any case. So um, Mayo bunched up the middle, crowded the space out, left a wee bit of space up front for particularly Andy Moore when he came on to, to win primary possession. Really well, you know. But, but it, that is the beauty of this Mayo team and has been all the years. Like, they get caught, and this is not in the case of Kildare I'm talking about here, like, but against other teams, smaller teams, they could get caught against anybody. Derry nearly beat them above in, above in, in Castle Bar, was it? That Derry nearly beat them in a championship match yeah. a couple of years ago. Fermanagh uh, nearly beat them, like, you know. They, they, Cork should have beaten them in Limerick. Cork should have beat them in Limerick, yeah. And that wasn't a good Cork team at the time, like not going well, you know. Mm. So so Mayo tend to play to the level of the opposition, which is frustrating, very frustrating for the players and for management. Because every day they're likely to get caught, but somehow it would be a bit of luck to get by, you know, except for um, Kildare, who obviously played very well against us that day. So it's, it's, it's a frustrating thing about Mayo, but what it does show is that they have high-quality players who can perform on the day. And in a one-horse race or two horse race next week it's a game they can win as well and absolutely Jesus yeah, I mean we'd be foolish to go on and say they couldn't obviously with what they've done but like from both of you have been in the dressing room with these guys like what what is it what is that kind of intangible quality that 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 keeps them coming back from situations that you're saying this guy's injured this guy's injured he's suspended there they have no right to be winning some of these games and yet that's when they're at their most dangerous and they're most efficient and, and, and they get results when when everybody else says they probably won't. Well, I, I was only there for one year and it was early doors in the, in the whole project, if you want to call it this. Um, it was 2012. Um, and I came in having been, you know, coming from a, a hurling setup for the previous number of years. And the one thing that struck me 
about the group was it was a vociferous appetite for learning mm. for improvement for constantly developing which struck me from the off you know and I've been involved with Sigerson for the last five years managing UL so I'd still been very much in touch with you know with the big ball you know mm. um, I just couldn't get over you know they're, they're almost demanding of information of analysis of stats of areas how they could improve um, and then match that with something which to this day I still have a great grow for the lads I stay in touch with many of the senior right. players their humility Tony I, I don't know if you found that about them you know whether they were winning whether they were losing their approach on the, the difficult Tuesday night session after a championship match the humility that the group had they're just phenomenal men as much as phenomenal footballers and I don't think we should forget um, before I forget this one this is Mayo's that group of players it's their fourth management team mm. you know even though James is back in mm-hmm. like for them to maintain that level of challenge resilience performance in their fourth management team across what is it eight years now mm-hmm. I mean the credit that has to go to the players of course the management teams you know and, and Tony and Rachi and all that crew and, and James and the two lads before that but my God, it's it's a pretty similar bunch of lads from a yeah. senior perspective. Nine years on the road, four different management teams, and they're still doing it. What a and, bunch. And where where is it? Like, is that coming from? Like you're talking about their their attitude and their how humble they are and unassuming. But is, is that the leadership in the in the players in their own group? Like, is that Andy Morn? Is that Aidan O'Shea or Lee Keegan? Like, where where does that come from? Where where are they where are they getting that from, Mac? Well, I, I would say just to add to Keane's point there is that is that they are phenomenal footballers, okay, and they're built on a foundation of a good defence. And once you're starting off with a good defence, like Paddy Dorgan is super, Lee Keegan is super, Colin Boyle is super, Keith Higgins, Chris Barr, Brent, Brendan Harrison, like, like they're a solid six defence. Yeah. Stephen Cohn coming in now this year and so on. So once you're starting off with a good defence, you know, I mean, you've a rock solid foundation for com- competition at least yeah. going up the field, you know. Um, but from from a people perspective, you know, if you look at Lee Keegan as an example, like Lee Keegan doesn't care for all stars, he doesn't care for his accolades, he just wants to win and play football and do his job. And he, how you know that? Because in a game, you give him a job, and he does exactly the job you want him to do. You mark Michael Murphy, he marks Michael Murphy. You mark Ken Kilkenny, he marks Ken Kilkenny. He doesn't care where the ball's going or where the man's going. He does exactly what he wants to do or what he's, what he's been asked to do. So. He's the sort of fella that once the football's over, you might find him drinking in Westport or somewhere. Like he's just a normal life, a normal kid. And the beauty of the vast majority of them fellas is exactly that. They are hounded by the press. They are hounded by individuals. Mayo people are fanatical in everything they do. And yet that group actually keep their heads on the ground. And they're keeping a solid foundation. They're doing normal work circumstances. Yes, they get a few accolades, or at least some of the bigger players get a few accolades out of it, surely. But for the most part, they're an absolutely rock-solid bunch of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I don't think, you know, I mean, regardless of what the press say about some of them, I know they criticise Aiden, or they might criticise, typically Aiden because he's a big profile player. Like, But they couldn't be more wrong with the likes of Aiden O'Shea and other people like that, you know? That's interesting, yeah. That's interesting. And, and the thing with Aiden, and, and he does get a raw, you know, he always gets a raw end of the stick, and he'll be used now next week if they if they get beat by Dublin, he'll be the guy that'll be put out in front of everybody as he's the reason he's not mobile enough, he he didn't show up, he didn't have enough big... Like, he actually set the tone in that game. He's been phenomenal weekend. all year his long. Tackling, yeah, his tackling is... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He never gets the credit for his tackling. I know yeah. his football mightn't be a Dave Moore or, or a Brian Fenton, but Jesus, his aggression, his physicality around the pitch is... Yeah, absolutely. It sets the tone for him. Yeah, and it, I, for me, his timing in the tackle for timing. a big 
big yeah, man is exceptional. Yeah. People rarely think of timing as, you know, as a component part of a tackle. Um, they think of feet, they think of arms, they think of strength. But I mean, for a big man to time his contact the way he does, in most cases, they'd be picking up yellows and reds across mm-hmm. matches because then, to use Michal Murphy as an example, he's so big and strong. Sometimes his timing is a little bit off and it can get him into trouble. Rarely do you see that, you know, with Edo. And I, I think that's often something that's overlooked in his game, you know? Yeah, no, it's 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 inter- interesting, obviously, and it's just they they have been the story again, and for the next couple of days until they play Dublin, that's going to be that's going to be a, a big talking point with but, them. But it's not another story in there, Andy Moran, as an example. Yeah, Andy Moran, like he's been, I don't know, everybody thinks he's finished this couple of years, and yet he's still a linchpin to a forward line at a point in time when he needs to be, you know. Mm. Um, Do you know what I loved about Andy's performance um, at the weekend there was like he's a phenomenal ball winner for me it's, yeah. a, it's his greatest strength I personally feel that but the first number of times he was on ball it didn't work for him you know for whatever reason a turnover a drop short whatever the case was but he kept doing the right things and he kept getting himself in the right position and all of a sudden bang critical score five minutes later bang critical score and that, that to me is, is the measure of the man you know and, and he offloads leader. he offloads oh, to men yeah selfless you know, James Carr got point off him like yeah. you know and so on Tony which uh, you know in terms Mike of ne- next Saturday um, so where is Mayo's mindset now I mean the way you're talking there Mac like the fatigue issue just won't be an issue for them. The fact like that they've had this run of games, they had another grueler Saturday night, obviously Dublin, the players that were there had a stroll. All the excuses are there, but I guess what you're saying again is like, just Mayo just won't have any truck with that. No, no. Barry Solon, the former SC fella, Barry often says that it's like the National League in Championship time. And that's really what it is. It's game after game after game. And the beauty of regular games, there's downsides to it, but the beauty of regular games is that it improves your match fitness mm. no end. And you will not get that on the training field easily, at least. Like, you know. And while Mayo have a lot of areas to improve in relation to execution, as an example, they, they have got regular game time that battle hardened, they're competitive. And one more game in six days' time is no obstacle to this outfit. They'll rest, they'll recover all week long. It'll, yeah. like, nowadays, that recovery and rest is... is like the, some of them will just take the week off if they have to. You know, th- th- that isn't the problem for one game left in the year. Mm. What, what I do think is it's critical for Mayo to stay in touch with this game throughout because as well as physical fatigue, which is what people most often think of, there's an element of mental fatigue You know that has to, to accompany playing so many big matches, um, what, six matches in seven weeks now mm-hmm. going through the back door. And I think that very often, you know, a mental drop in capacity can impact how physically you feel. Yeah. And the more Mayo are in the game, as you know, Tony, they will go to the very, very end. Mm-hmm. I feel... Unfortunately, if a gap develops as the game goes on, that's where the mind can start to yeah. play tricks and they say, oh, Jesus, are we able for this? Mm-hmm. If you think of all the games that may have nearly been there, particularly in your time, Tony, it's always been, you know, so tight, you know, so, so mm-hmm. tight. And that's what's kept them going, I feel, you know. And and that Kerry game in Killarney is a, is a prime example of what you're talking about, that, that, yeah. that mental fatigue actually telling your body we're actually a little bit more tired than we are. And, and they came out there, Kerry got off to a great start, you know, looked, to dominate the game from early and straight away Mayo fell flat and that's that's yeah. that's a that's a justifiable fear mm. they need to start this game as they always do I suppose at 100 miles an hour and make sure that this is something that they're that they're well in when it's 15-20 minutes gone Tony a couple of weeks ago you may have seen or I'm sure you heard about Eamon Fitzmaurice wrote a column in the examiner about Mayo and obviously would know Mayo really really well and spoke about did he actually use the word dark arts but he spoke about their gamesmanship they're, they're, they're the best 
in terms of their gamesmanship, in terms of breaking momentum, in terms of, you know, killing time, in terms of killing an opposition momentum, in terms of going down. I mean, he took obviously some heat for, for those comments, but now that you're out of that bubble, was it a fair comment when it comes to that type of thing? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, no. Well, I'll speak for our team, okay? <laughs> and it's just, it's the same players now. And I don't whether James is any different or not. I don't know. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think I think Eamon actually, in all honesty, is probably looking for something and such. For the Amar game, as an example, there was uh, a lot of reports at the time about head injuries and Mayo had eight or nine head injuries in the second half, trying to kill the game and trying to get over the lane. Um, I, I certainly don't think that is something that was purposefully done from the outset. You know, um, they might look to buy a free or do something like that occasionally, like but but certainly no, I don't I don't see it, and I don't think that's a fair comment on that bunch of players. No, I'd say it was probably more a cut off you. He was he was trying to have, <laughs> <laughs> but shots not, fired. <laughs> but that being said, you know, and knowing him and as I do, I actually see that um, in his mind as a, a backhand compliment, yeah, yeah, yeah. stating pretty much that you're not going to win an All Ireland on football alone. Yeah. You're not going to win an All Ireland on 15 players alone. And you need all of these different tools, you know. I, I know probably how it read, but in my mind, he was probably saying, you know, you're going to need every bit of this yeah. if you're going to get to and win an All-Ireland. And I suppose, you know, Mayo have been so close, but unfortunately haven't got there. I think they're going to need every bit of that. So I would actually take that as a backhand compliment. Maybe that's just how I view it now, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. I still think he was shooting, taking shots at you there, Tony. But uh, that other game yesterday, I mean, Mayo, if they are going to win in All-Ireland or if anybody's going to win in All-Ireland, they're going to have to get over that immovable object of, of, of Dublin coming down the tracks. And yesterday in that game, it was you know, it was a bit of a farce, I suppose, really above in Oma. The big talking point, obviously, was was the return of, of Dermot Connolly. You know, playing at midfield in a game of no consequence, obviously. But where where are you with that whole take on Connolly was gone? He was in America. Or he was about to get to America. It didn't work out. Now he's back and he's in the mix. And now he's actually he's on the field and he's contributing for Dublin in the summer. So so I, I looked at that game yesterday and what I saw was the twilight appearances of Jim Connolly and Bennett Brogan and Ron O'Gara and quite a number of players, actually. I don't think we're going to see them on any of them again. Uh, I don't think uh, Rory O'Carroll and so on like I, I think that yes this opportunity was the opportunity for a last run out for those players like um, Jamer didn't offer enough he's only back three weeks I think personally I think it's absolutely crazy the entire exercise but uh, um, Jim knows better than me clearly like you know but as a as a as a game I think we've learned from yesterday that actually Dublin do not have the reserves that everybody wants them mm-hmm. to believe to have uh, I think they're a weaker team than last year I think that all of the three teams remaining have a good opportunity beating this Dublin team, um, and I think it's demystified um, the the uh, broad depth of that mm-hmm. bench that Dublin have. Yeah, that, what do you think, Ian? Yeah, I I think there'll be a lot of Dublin forwards walking off that pitch yesterday saying I had a big opportunity today. Maybe not to start. I don't think you're going to shift the top seven Dublin mm-hmm. forwards anyways. But even in in some cases, three of that starting uh, six forwards may not even make a 26 next week. Yeah. And I think I 100% agree with Tony on that. I was looking at it saying, you're in the shop window here and... All I saw them was almost past responsibility. They were passing the ball around the Tyrone defence. Paddy Small, or defence, Paddy Small, to be fair, a couple of times went direct. Early, yeah. I saw very little direct play. Back in the day, Paddy Andrews got a ball. McMenamin in particular, bang, he was gone past you. He was gone past you and he'd set it up. 
I, I didn't see it. And absolutely, if the starting 15 don't do it, you know, as Tony said, they haven't got the level of quality coming on that you'd want to win a tight game against a Mayo or a Tyrone. And, or and that, that's been the difference with Mayo, at least, and in 16 and 17, was was that subs coming off the bench. Whether, whether it be Costello or, or, or McMenamin or whoever was coming off the bench, yeah. you know. Um, and if that's not there, then it, it brings it back a wee bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And Wildlife 15 is still a very good 15. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And maybe 16 and 17 are very good, mm-hmm. you know. They're, I'm not sure if the reserves are still there. Now, there's a couple of Dublin players who are fantastic, who are coming back from injury. James McCarthy is an example. Now, he only got some time the other day, mm-hmm. but James McCarthy is a proper Rolls-Royce yes, footballer, absolutely. like, you know, I mean, a fabulous player. Like. So he'll have, he'll have benefited from that game and he'll, he'll walk his way back into it. Um. So, so, so Rory O'Carroll is a fair point. Like that was a big opportunity for Rory O'Carroll now, having having come back into the mix, and and could he be an answer for maybe an Aidan O'Shea or somebody if he was to go in? Didn't really look at the races. You know, McMenamin is a guy who's absolutely tortured Kerry for for mm-hmm. the last ten years. Didn't look like the guy. You know, the same guy. Same with O'Carroll. Same the guys you mentioned. And I thought I thought the same. I thought it was it was maybe it dispelled some of the myth that Dublin have thirty five or forty guys That's that are as good as everybody else around there. But the Connolly one, I still think, is just a really fascinating kind of uh, piece. Like, is is it is it Jim uh, Jim Gavin like just you know throwing the the ultimate diversion at, at at everybody else outside of Dublin? Like nobody is talking about five in a row. Like they're going to go into a semi final talking about where will Connolly play? Will he be in the mix? Will he get? Yeah. And and they're going to be one game away from doing a historic act that nobody in the association has ever done before, and nobody's talking about it. And Jim Gavin is is you know I'm vanilla ice cream, I'm so bland, I'm I'm fine, but he he, he this guy is one of the shrewdest people to throw this out there for people like us to sit in a room and talk about Dermot Connolly when when all the pressure now is off his team from going for five in a row. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, in the front of your paper is a picture of Jim McConnelly. So you, you, you mean, so you're feeding no, this. No, I, I didn't you, put the picture in the paper. You know, Tony Lean's feeding this thing where the, this distraction and, and Jim smiling at you all, you know. But what I would say is, you know, obviously as an adversary of, of, of Jim and Dublin for the last number of years in, in Leinster, um, before the machine really ramps up for the, for the All-Ireland series, he is incredibly and meticulously calculated in, in everything he does, mm. whether that's his media dealings, Tony, or, you know, how he works with his subs, like some big-name players not even getting on 26s, mm-hmm. not getting championship minutes. I really don't think that he would risk making a decision unless he had thought every angle through. And mm-hmm. I think that's just Jim, you know, coming from his background in the Defence Forces and the Air Corps. Um, I... I I see, I see a role for Connolly. I, I can't see him starting naturally next week. I do see him getting minutes um, because I think he has a weapon that, at the moment, Dublin don't have. Dublin are very much strike runners at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what the type of players they have, be it Mannion, Con Callaghan. Kilkenny isn't having the same influence that he's had. I think yesterday, the role designed for Connolly, for me, was a perfect reintroduction because he didn't have, you know, and Brian McGregor was saying this in uh, up in uh, on the, off the ball feed up in Oma. I was just watching it on TV. He didn't have the responsibilities of tagging players of running up and down like a, a traditional middle eight player at the moment. The way the game has gone, he was kind of just sitting off, waiting for the ball to be popped to him, and then being that link band with mm-hmm. you know relatively basic kicks for him twenty thirty meters. But yeah. I was impressed how he played that role. But there's no way you get away with that against a Mayo who are going to put ferocious pressure. 
later on but I thought it was clever the way you used him yesterday to be honest a lot of people are saying he didn't do a whole lot I think it is something that Dublin haven't been doing lately and, and they don't have a partner for Brian Fenton in midfield correct yeah certainly yeah. with the absence of James McCarthy like yeah. they don't have a partner so yeah. maybe there is a rule but yeah. with three weeks training and 18 months out from the county scene absolutely yeah you know. If anything, what I was surprised about is that if he didn't get the black card laid on, he would have played the full 70. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the back of my mind, I was saying 45 minutes, 50, see how he gets on. But the fact that he was leaving him on for the whole game, for me, was back to Tony's point, the match fitness. He was actually developing that, that match fitness. And I was surprised that uh, he wasn't sewn into yesterday. And I couldn't <laughs> believe that. After, after, the game, after the game, was it that, what was the line... Uh, Dermot Connolly loves Dublin and, and all of us players and management, we love Dermot too. So it looked nice coming off. They were smiling and shaking hands with each other. So it looked like the, that relationship has been mended. The key and the other thing which always intrigues me about Jim Gavin and, you know, you're right. You look at him and even his dealings with us, like at times you actually look back at him and you actually say, are you actually serious? You're waiting for some kind of a smirk or a smile on his face. like. But he's utterly deadpan. But the one thing... Tony, I noticed about him as well. Do you ever see, lads, when a player comes off, whether he wants to come off or not, you never, ever see any dissension from the players. There always seems to be the connection. No, maybe this is a fantastic front and they're all in on it. And maybe when they go in the dressing room, they're baiting the shite out of each other. But I doubt it. I would just think, whatever it is, Keen, whatever kind of, you know, magic dust he seems to have over that dressing room, there seems to be this kind of zen-like, you know, this, 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 I don't know what you'd call it, where we're all in it and Jim, no matter what you do to me, I'm on board. Yeah, and no, I agree, I agree. And I don't want to sound disingenuous here, but I think when you are at the very, very, very top, like Dublin are, I think it's easier to ingrain that in a group of players because if anyone crosses the line or crosses Jim's line, you can be sure they're, they're going to be sitting or they're going to be at home, yeah. you know. So I, I think it is easier, you know, when you're in that position to be as cold, ruthless, callous as you can. We saw it with Cody over the years and made some really big calls to shock people, but he always got the results. Um, I'm, you know, and I think it's a credit to the way the operation that is Dublin, you know, is 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 ran. But I don't think that would be as easy to uh, to manipulate in other counties. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, not calling out any other counties. You know, we, we've yeah. all been there working with teams. And players have emotions. They're, they're sensitive. And I've taken off players, you know, for what we would see as the right reason on the lines. And they're not happy coming off. You know, it's not for me to go in and say you should be smiling coming off the pitch there. Like yeah. He's disappointed. He's pissed off, yeah. you know. But they do seem to have that uh, almost cult control, you know, over the whole setup. Yeah, but even if we're not seeing it, I guarantee you there's guys down the back end of that that are saying, you know, Jim McGuinness, you're not, or Jim, Jim Kevin, you ain't giving me a break here. And this is... and, and the, for not sure. seeing it, though. That is the thing. Like, yeah. You don't see it. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. I guarantee you, it's still of there. It is. It's, it's always it's there in every single group, no matter how good a manager he is. Yeah. He's a, he's after pissing off enough guys that they're yeah. going to be there saying, I, "If I'm not getting my chance, and he's coming back in after three, he's getting a chance." I, I'm I'm now talking. I'm whispering, and I'm not I'm not happy with this yeah. stuff. Even for nothing, it's it, it is there. Oh, no, 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 no doubt it's there. But it's uh, the managerial ability is to actually maintain that equilibrium. Publicly, I mean, Tony, I just asking the question, you know, the lads are talking about that Dublin forward line. And I agree with you what you said about Mayo. I mean, if there was a transfer market in defenders, I know Kerry certainly would be in for about two or three of that Mayo defence. Four or five, maybe. Well, you said that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> shots fired back in Fitzmaurice. Now shots fired again. Can 
that Mayo backline hold that Dublin forward line next Saturday night? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely can. But that may not be where the trouble comes for Mayo. Like clearly Mayo have to get scoring chances and convert scoring chances and at the minute they're not converting enough of those scoring chances. And even the second string Dublin outfit yesterday had a significantly higher scoring average than um than Tyrone had. Yeah. You know, so so they're clearly they're clearly better at creating the right opportunity and taking the right shot. Um, Mayo Mayo less so. But their six defenders, Mayo six defenders, are absolutely capable of taking the Dublin six forwards uh, in outright man-to-man marking, without a doubt. And then after that, it's about Jack McCaffrey, James McCarthy, and Brian Fenton. Yeah. And that's it. You know, that's it. So That's not, that's not bad, though. No. That's a, and, 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 the, and the thing that we don't often talk about is is the Johnny Coopers and these guys are, are also really, really capable. You can throw James McCarthy in, in at half back, you can bring Thiamar Connolly in at mm-hmm. midfield. Like they're they're def- defensively Dublin are are as good as as most other teams as well, if not better than a lot of them. So like their problem is yeah, their forwards are really, really good, but they're gonna force Mayo into 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 poor options above which Mayo take too many times and, and that's what's going to that's what's probably going to ultimately cost them in, in the end. But the, the big thing for me with Mayo going into next week is they've been here before. Mm-hmm. Now, more often they're not in finals, you know, and this is a semi-final. And they know they can push Dublin. They know they can push Dublin's buttons. They know they can do something that very few teams can do. Tony, I agree with you 100%. They can front up man-to-man mm-hmm. and give themselves every opportunity because Dublin affords you the chances. I mean, Dublin will let you get into a one-on-one situation time and time again because they'll bank on the fact that they'll score more than you. You know, I'll even reference ourselves this year in the in the Leinster um, semi-final. I mean, you know, were we ever going to beat Dublin? Most likely, no. But we had four one-on-ones with Cluxton. Three of them guilt-edged. One, one could have went anyway, you know. And, you know, for a top, top team like that to afford, if you want to say a mid-tier team, you know, like Kildare, the way our season was this year, four goal chances. I mean, Top teams should be punishing you on that. And, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that Mayo have been here before, they won't fear them. Um, it'll be an exciting match if they can stick with them and not let that gap go from two to four. Mm. I think if it hits that four-point mark, it could extend very quickly, as, as Dublin have shown in the past. And they can pressurise the kicker. Mm. So Mayo, I've seen, you've seen, in, certainly in, in the two finals and times gone by, is that we can put, Mayo can put pressure on Cluxton's kicker, and they can force him into you know, 50-50 balls, and, and Mayo's well able to win those 50-50 balls. Now, Jason Doherty will be a miss, obviously, because I think he's definitely going to be out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might have Jim O'Connor back, and Matthew Ryan's now back, and people like so. Yeah. They've probably back in the mix, which is, which is going yeah. to make it for, for yeah. a hugely exciting game, obviously. And what I'm most excited about, Mihal, um, is Dublin are excellent about creating matchups that may have been totally different position-wise than the match before and the match before. And I'm really excited about how they're going to set their forward line up, specifically not thinking about scoring, but thinking about how can we exploit Colin Boyle? How can we exploit Brendan Harrison inside? And I think that's something that they've mastered. Like sometimes in the league there, you would have, you would have seen Kieran Kilkenny go into 14. Mm-hmm. And for 10 minutes, they hit three balls in and you might score 1-1 one, one off the mm-hmm. three balls, you know. Um, Conor Canahan might come out to 11. You know, where they expect him in the corner and all of a sudden if he gets the ball and turns, you know, you could be in trouble. So I'm really excited to see not how Mayo set up defensively, 
but how they cope with how Dublin set up offensively. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the biggest intriguing part of Netflix. And, and to, your, to your point, Mac, that Mayo probably are the one team that have that flexibility defensively that can, yep. that can go man-to-man. And if they find themselves full-back or they find themselves wing-back, they'll do okay in those positions outside of maybe, you know, likes of Colin Boyle know who they want to have that, that, that mm-hmm. protection in front of them. But other than him, most other guys are going to be comfortable enough in, in every other line of the pitch, you know? Absolutely. Um, I suppose moving on just to the second one, lads, the the um, the matter of, of Kerry and Tyrone revisited, I suppose, on Sunday afternoon. Both teams came over their games. Obviously, Tyrone took that, you know, they put out, they changed 15 bodies against Dublin. They weren't overly bothered about whether they finished first or second. And Kerry went to, went to Navin and... And scraped away with a scrappy win, but it was probably always going to be that, given that the fact that they knew they were pretty much into the semi-finals. Um, I'm not sure. Can you take much from either of those games? Probably not. But looking ahead to next Sunday, what are the what are the kind of key key dynamics that you see going to be the the game winners here? I suppose. Well, ironically, I think even though they were beaten yesterday, Mickey would probably be happier walking away from that match than, than Jim Gavin, I would think, because he picked literally a second string bar, maybe one or two players who will be challenging for a, for a starting 15 berth. And, and they still competed, you know, relatively well with Dublin, you know. So I think he'd be rel- relatively happy coming out of that. Um, Kerry, I mean, for me, the, the worrying trend for them from what I've seen this season is consistently when teams run at them directly and create those one-on-ones that we know Mayo can handle, you know, they, they have struggled in that regard, you know, and um, you saw it against Cork and Munster, you saw it in the second half against Clare, you know, Gary, Gary Brennan did mm-hmm. some damage there uh, and we've seen it in the Super 8s, you know, and I, I think, you know, I know Mayo didn't cause them problems in that regard, but for some reason, I'm not sure why, Mayo played a kicking game that day, they tried to work the ball through the lines and, you know, their radar was off at their accuracy so that didn't trouble them but I, I think if Tyrone get that game going that they're so proficient that they damaged us in Newbridge this year you know the match that put us out of the championship by their just fast transition strong lines coming from that defensive third um, I, I think that could really trouble Kerry so for me the most exciting part about that game is we know how Tyrone are going to set up defensively what are Kerry going to do you know to stop Tyrone that's that's what I'm most interested in and where are Tyrone though I mean how how good have Tyrone been to this point so so that that's hard to say because they've changed their system a couple of times throughout the year they went for the long ball they went for short ball they've been messing around but I think that's done purposely I think I think they've been walking through the system and to be fair to Mickey Hart he's the longest successful manager in yeah. in the game at the minute like very experienced and um clearly thinks ahead more than just today's game so he's, he's, he's been walking towards Kerry I would imagine for a long time now the beauty of this game for Tyrone is that Tyrone are defensively sound Kerry are not defensively sound Kerry have good forwards but will they get the space the freedom the ability to move amongst that Tyrone team and um, so, so that's, that's the first point we know Tyrone can break they can do serious damage going forward they have one of the best footballers in the game in Cahill McShane at the minute yeah. And they might pair him up with Matty with Matty, with Matty Donnelly in the full forward line. And if they do that, they're going to cause endless amounts of trouble to that Kerry defence, who will not be able to handle those two players on a one-on-one situation. They simply don't have the quality of people to mark them. But the, t- the thing is here is that that good thrown defensive shape gets well broken down by a Dublin attacking team mm-hmm. when the Dublin attacking team are going well. So it's whether Kerry can do that. It's whether Sean O'Shea can do what Conor Callaghan can do as a centre quarters. Can they expose Conor Kavanagh in the part that he doesn't do, which is fulfil the centre half back role mm-hmm. properly? 
And if they're able to do that and break down that defensive structure that the throne have, well, then they've a serious opportunity here. But there's a whole lot of buts in that. And you've got to, go in, you've got to be believe, as an Ulster man at least, going into this match, that the Tyrone are in the advantage in this case. Mm-hmm. And that they're, they're front foot forward because they're defensively sound, good structure, and with some yeah. superb forwards up front. Without simplifying it, I, I, I do think that the, the primary possession battle is going to be critical. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see who partners they've, they've more in the midfield because I think he's doing phenomenally well for a guy that has so many miles on the clock and has picked up a, you know, a couple of serious injuries over the years. I think his leadership this summer has been exceptional. But I, I just feel he's, you know, you used the term before the show, the foil. He's, he's lacking a foil there, someone to complement the game that he tries to play, his passing game is exceptional. He's not taking on players the way he would have in the past. And that's where they need someone to complement that game plan, which will take a little bit of pressure off Dave, you know, to enable him to really put his heart and soul into winning that primary ball. Kerry's kickouts and Tyrone's kickouts. Um, because you saw yesterday the struggle at times mm-hmm. Kerry did in that department. And I think whoever wins the primary possession battle, simple as it seems, they're controlling possession. If they control possession, they're dictating the pace of the game. And Kerry have some incredible forwards. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can get that early ball off, you know, the restarts in particular, it'll be interesting to see what scores they can rack up and I can't wait to see Clifford back on the pitch next week because he's going to be instrumental to that whole game. He is, but isn't... If, you have, if you're carrying a knock or an injury or an ache, isn't our Ireland semi-final the wrong place to have that? And if David Moran has been lacking football all year long because of injuries and aches and miles on the clock, surely Drone will try and expose that in, in a one-game one opportunity. And the other thing I think is interesting from a, from a Kerry perspective is last week they played um, the wing half forward, Stephen, Stephen, Stephen O'Brien. O'Brien. Stephen O'Brien in the full forward line. And while he's serious pace in that, I think if they continue with that, it's going to be the wrong move for them because he's a superb wing half forward and shown this year, like he's the best wing half forward in the country at the minute. Uh, and to take him out of position and play him in the full forward line does not seem to make a lot of sense to me. I think they've been playing around with it a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday you, you've seen Shawnee Shea was actually playing as a as an inside forward. Mm-hmm. He did the same at times in, in the previous two games. He, he, he's he got a couple of scores as an inside guy. And it's something that Peter Keane is looking at himself and David Clifford in there at times just to mix it up and, and bring Ganey out with, with Stephen O'Brien. Again, I, I think the, that flexibility, I, I don't really have a big deal with, with that flexibility. I think because he's capable of being in there and, and he's capable of maybe bringing a guy who's, you know, a half back back in there 13 yards from goals now it's an uncomfortable position for him and he can, he can do fine like you, you mentioned the kickouts will Tyrone will Tyrone push up and challenge Kerry's kickouts from the start I think they will based on what happened yesterday um, I, I think they'll have, they'll have analysed that down to a T and they'll see at times when Meath got it right the problems that it caused I think Meath went from 5-2 down to 5 all, bang 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 off three kickouts and I'm not saying that's been the trend all year but without question, being the, the type of position a goalkeeper position is, that it's inevitable that Shane Ryan is processing that today and you know almost over-pressuring himself into making sure that everything's on point next week. And I, I can see Tyrone, you know, really putting a, a strong emphasis on that. They didn't do it yesterday, mm. you know, which really surprised me um, because it wasn't Cluxton in goals. It was Evan Comerford in goals, and we've seen in the past when he's been put under pressure, albeit in national league matches, you know that that he, at times he has struggled. I thought he was fantastic yesterday, yeah. 
but there was no pressure on him because he was able to mix between short and long and he kicked some lovely mid to long distance kicks uh, dealt very well with the high balls but I thought it was an opportunity yesterday for Tyrone even to practice that mm. you know in a game that meant nothing ultimately yeah. to get ready for whoever to meet in the semi-final and, and that's why I'm thinking I'm not sure if they even will I I, I think to your point like if, if they if Tyrone want to really make this a, a 13 men behind the ball and leave maybe Matty Donnelly and, and, and McShane up top like they they can't really do both. You can't you can't go absolutely gung ho and push all the way up and and really contest and and force Shane Ryan to put a few up for grabs, and still have the the idea that if Kerry win the ball, we can still have twelve or thirteen men behind the ball. You're, you're not going to have time to get bored above, especially above in Croke Park, you know. Yeah, and what he's done this year, Mickey, is he's played almost a combination of both in games. He's almost given the opposition a couple of shorts so they're thinking, okay, we have this and then maybe after a free yeah. or whenever, bang, mm. up they press and all of a sudden the opposition are going, Jesus, we, we haven't seen this in 10 minutes, you yeah. know. Maybe he'll do that. Personally, I would full press all day long. Yes. Personally, just to really turn it into a if game. If you were Tyrone manager? 100%. Yeah. That's just how yeah. I would see it, you know. The only thing in Crow Park is that that causes a huge amount of energy be used mm. for full court press for kickouts, like you know, and I think I think doing it in that style that you mentioned that Mickey was doing it now, and again causes a lot of communication and coordination yeah. to do it on the field, and and that's difficult in itself. But I think I think Mickey'll probably deploy that, um, because like everybody else, when Mickey goes to his bench, it begins to get a wee bit thin, yeah. and he wants men to stay in that field, and he and he would be loath to make subs early on um, yeah. when he doesn't need to. So. And 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 looking forward, lads. I mean, there should be two cracking games. Team, the four best teams in the country, I suppose. Donegal were definitely in that mix, and they were disappointing, obviously, against Mayo. But what we have now is is you know probably what we thought we would have at the start of the year. And if you're picking your two teams that are going to going to get out of these this weekend and, and progress to the to a final, who are you who are you taking? So um, I'm going to go with heart rather than head here, and I'm going to say that. Um, Mayo have every opportunity to beat this Dublin team in a semi-final in Crow Park. A Dublin team that has not been tested significantly in the year so far. Um, a Dublin team that that have questions over them. Um, a Dublin team that are going for five in a row, which is a distraction. Um, you cannot hide that from players. You simply cannot hide that. And I think that um, if Mayo can get a few breaks the weekend, and there's a few things that have to go their way, um, they have every opportunity to beat this Dublin team. Second thing then is that I do think Tyrone is going to beat Kerry. I think that defence structure Tyrone is going to frustrate and trouble Kerry. And I think Kerry have more questions than they have answers at this moment. Then. Interesting. I think I think if Mayo were to beat Dublin on Saturday, I think definitely it is one of the epic storylines of, of sport in Ireland um, this year. I really do, um, you know... Whatever happens after that, Tony, whatever whatever happens or who they play in the final, I just think if Mayo, above anyone, were the side that stopped Dublin's five in a row, I mean, what irony there would be like attached to that. That's the first thing. I don't think they will. Uh, I think they'll come up shy. Um, certainly, uh, you know, as a Kerryman, I would be extremely concerned about Kerry's defence, um, genuinely. It's not going to get fixed. I mean, myself and Mike Quirk sat in this room I'd say six weeks ago Mike and we spoke about Kerry's defence I'm still not certain I'm still not certain what system they're actually playing as far as I know and you're the experts in the room isn't it all at attack they're not worried about defence well well, you're the experts 
And I, I mean, as far as I know, there's three or four different defensive systems you can play, whether you're playing man on man, whether you're sweeping, whether you're dropping everybody deep. Kerry seemed to be going with the, we're going to press it high, we're going to make sure we challenge high, we're going to put pressure on the ball. It's not working. Too often, it's, going, it's getting past that too easily. They're under massive pressure. They don't have, I mean, what's our friend, um, the Cork under 20 lad, Carlo Mahoney, said on Saturday, and they were talking about the dogs, that there were going to be dogs. Kerry don't have defensive dogs anymore. They've, they've too many footballers in defence. And I, I really believe that unless the, this is the greatest confidence trick by Peter Keane of all time, I think that they have huge defensive um, concerns and, you know, I'd love to say I think Kerry will win on on Sunday, but I I, I genuinely feel and fear that they'll come up shy. I actually think you're looking at a repeat of last year's All-Ireland final. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page about the the defensive frailties. Um, I, I think that can be counteracted if Kerry put in an incredibly mature performance up front. Which will be a big task when you consider the you know the, the age range of the, of the lads that are up there because against Tyrone you need patience you know you, you can't be pulling the trigger too soon just because you you think you're on um, and they're incredibly adept at putting pressure on the ball and forcing you wide forcing you deep um, and I think if Kerry find the maturity and the patience in that regard Paul Ganey is a massive leader you know Dave you know behind that attack. Um, I think they have a chance, but I, I do worry defensively. And I've, I've seen firsthand, you know, how Tyrone can transition. And no matter how much of a press you have, which your carry you're doing in the middle eight, well, really from midfield up, they'll still find a way because it's they've been doing it for years now, you know. And I'm with Tony on inside. I think Carl McShane is having the, the season of his life. And if they do press Matty Donnelly up like they did in the second half against Cork, very hard to stop them especially if you haven't got the personnel or if you haven't got the bodies back and we've seen that Kerry don't do bodies back so that'll be an interesting one Mayo you know my, my heart would love to see him do it you know I love that bunch of players um, and I, I you know I caution to use the term they deserve it you know you have to earn it um, I'd love to see him do it but I honestly can't look past Dublin in this one yeah it's interesting Tony Lean you, you mentioned that it would be some irony if Mayo were the team to beat Dublin and whatever happens after that, like they'd probably get to a final and then get beaten by Kerry or Tyrone. And like, how how ironic would that be? I don't think Tyrone are are, are as good as as uh, as people are making out. I, I think I think, but for Matty Donnelly's absolute leadership against Cork in the second half, I think they could have been they could have been in danger of losing that game. And while he's while he is without question one of the best footballers in the country, and and Carl McShane is playing red hot football up top. I don't. I just don't think that they're as good as as maybe we're giving them credit for. I don't think Carrier, like we've made the points about defensively. I don't think they're a, you know a fantastic either. I think with the likes of Shawnee Shane Clifford, I think Clifford is you know if you were picking between Clifford and McShane, I'd be taking Clifford all day. You know Shawnee Shea, these guys there, Stephen O'Brien, the football he's played. You already mentioned him. I think Kerry have enough. And I think they'll have enough maturity on the day to pick enough holes in in Croke Park to 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 get over Tyrone. The other one I think is a toss of a kind, but until you see them beaten, you can't pick against Dublin really. We haven't seen Mike as well. The one thing, one, one other thing which I'd add about Kerry, and I know I, I feel it is in them. We have not seen what I would say is the performance from Kerry this year. I know there was flashes of it today against Mayo and Killarney, but realistically, once forty minutes was gone in that game, it was really a game of basketball. It didn't really matter one way or the other who was scoring. I do think. 
I do think that there is one whopper of a performance in this Kerry team. I do think one day, Keen, um, and you know, you've worked with, with, with some of these players, I, I do think one day that they are going to up everything by about that 5 or 10% because they know, at least Kerry now know, that their season dies on Sunday evening if they don't do the thing, the dog things that they're supposed to do. So for if even though I, I, I've tipped her own, I do think that the one way that Kerry will win is if they get that bit of a dog performance from 1 to 9. Sorry, 1 to 12, as it is these days. If they get that dog performance, and if they do, as you say, get the delivery from the Killian Spillans, who not, you know, you will get Stephen O'Brien performing, you will get David Clifford, you will get Paul Ganey, you will get Shawnee Shea. That's four of your forwards. You're nearly key and guaranteed to deliver. Now, Killian Spillan, for me, has been one of the finds oh, of the yeah. summer. I mean, it was a ballsy call by Peter Keane to give him a show. He has not let him down in any way. What did he kick again? And three, three points, points again, again yeah. and now Six points on two so games. Like, but I think it's going to be that scenario that it does come down to how much of a dog Kerry is on the day without the ball. Because I think they will deliver offence. And, and, and the last one on that, the first game of the National League this year below in Killarney, yeah. and I know You're Tyrone right. were only after coming home from holidays after mm-hmm. being in the All-Ireland final last year, but Kerry played Tyrone in Killarney in a packed house under new management and everything. And Kerry played most of that game with 13 or 14 men behind the ball. They, they brought everybody back inside the 45 and people left the state. Kerry won the game. People left the stadium scratching their heads saying, oh, have we just seen the new breed of Peter Keane football? And, and people were lamenting and they changed it as they went forward. But it, it may not be the greatest shock in the world if we see maybe Kerry go and play with 12 or 13 men behind the ball next Saturday. Maybe they don't, it but will, it wouldn't it, shock it, you. It, it will, it will. Peter Keane will not play a packed or mass defence or otherwise like that. It, it, just, it just simply won't. I, I don't know the man, but I, I look at him and I, and I say this man wants to be traditional to, to where Kerry is. And up until now, he has up steadfastly refused to tidy up that defence. And um, there's, there's no way he's now going to go in another semi-final and change it in Crow Park. He puts me in mind to Jack, Jack, that he wants to just go, go with it the carry way and do it that way. And, that's, and, that's and I, I, I think he does. But, but I, I, I'm still saying he, he did it against Tyrone already and he will look at that game. While, while it was only a National League game and, and there's been loads of water under the bridge, it's something, it's something that, that they may go and refer back to. Who knows, lads? Just um, the only thing I suppose before we before we wrap up the game of the weekend that we haven't even mentioned was 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 that Car- you know that Cork I'm going to say Kerry under twenties well the the Cork under twenties gave Kerry a lesson uh, but they did the same to Dublin um, an incredible performance. Keen, I know you're you're living and working down here, but you, like even as a Kerry man, I was probably a little bit because maybe Dublin were under receiving and after Kerry got the same <laughs> dose. But it was nice to see Cork football really step into the limelight with playing some absolutely fantastic football that they did the weekend. Absolutely. And I mean, to go at 1-6 no score down and still to have the presence of mind to, to find a way to get yourself back into the game was probably most impressive for a group of guys who were 18 and 19 years yeah. of age, you know. Um, and I think so much credit needs to go to Keith Ricken and his management team because people will often forget Keith came into this job very, very late. I mean, we're talking January here, mm-hmm. two months after mm-hmm. most teams were together. Um, and he's consistently said that they worked on developing the players off the field as much as on. They're not snowflakes, to use that term, that he used, you know, yeah. um, that they're mentally strong and, and they have real ambition to do the best for Cork. Um, I, I, I think he's done a great job. And obviously, as a, as a fellow CIT man, you know, you had Con Burns, you know, Kevin Smith, uh, Anthony Casey there. We had a huge presence on that management team. And, you know, just a big shout out to them. I think they were brilliant. And uh, hopefully, 
it is the start or the new dawn of something very impressive for Cork football to come. You know, the way we've said many times, uh, you know, when Cork was quite literally on the floor, people usually came from outside the county have been saying, God almighty, there must be 30 decent footballers in a county. You know, this has been the refrain. But like this, for me, Mike, this actually under 20 victory actually proves that point Mm. because they literally have gone out and, you know, they have literally picked individuals. They've got a group of individuals and they've turned them into a team. Now, you know, we've been talking for the last 20 minutes about forwards. Believe me, you could go a long way around the county, and this is the bit of luck they had, you could go a long way around the county before you'd find an inside line that complements each other as well as Mark Cronin, Carlo Manny and Damien Gore. They are three, like Damien Gore was actually involved in the National League with Cork earlier in the year. Carlo Manny has been the find of the summer mm-hmm. um, from Mitchellstown. Mark Cronin, uh, for me, and I'd know him quite well, uh, I've seen him over in Nemo, um, I'd see him there on his own down in the field like in the depths of winter kicking balls over the bar kicking freeze going in behind, that's soul destroying stuff Tony as you know when there's nobody else there with you getting three balls bringing them back out you talking about these lads being 18, 19 that guy has the football intelligence of a guy who's 20 he, he literally single-handedly lads dragged them back into that game mm. when they were 1-6 down I mean his pop pass for the first goal I thought was one of the best bits of skill because it was going nowhere. Yeah. He was going to get creamed. Yeah. You, in the camera angle, you couldn't even see the player who was coming in. Yeah. And like he popped it out, he took a hit, your man scored. So A volley. Yeah, a volley. A volley. A volley. Oh, and then he scored an outstanding second goal where he pulled it back off yeah. the end line. You know, so... Like they've, they also have a midfielder there. He's from my own club, Brian Hartnett, the Foxy fella midfield. Oh, yeah. He quite literally, Mike, and you know it, have played at midfield. He quite literally didn't put one pass or one foot wrong. Mm. He did. He was your quintessential holding midfielder. Carried it, popped the pass at the right time. You know, the, the obvious question, Keen, this morning would be how many of those guys are going to be Cork seniors next year or the year after? Now, you've said, obviously, that's a big jump. But football-wise and football intelligence-wise... They should, they'll be disappointed, Mike, if they don't get a half a dozen out of that team in terms of football intelligence and in terms of pure football. And I know the physical stuff will come with time and that some of them will be get bedded in. But I do think the optimism out of that team is well placed. And, and the minors are obviously in the, in the semi-final and, and the, like six out of any team is a lot of, uh, to expect a lot of people to progress but that's the challenge for them now to, to put structures in place that, that actually look after these people and, and the conditioning and everything and, and looking after them when they go to college if they're out of the county or whatever it is to try and get as many of them as possible. But it was the football, I, I think it was the football that they played was just, was so good to watch and to come back from one six down in that position you're saying nah against the, nah, wind. Against the wind and and then they just I mean what was it at half time was it level or well, they were two up two up at half time it was it was just an incredible performance the only thing I'd love to change was was Keith Rickens hat by the way but like <laughs> he's done and I, and I know I'm true true to, to work but like he did some job and he's he's been out in front of the cameras and he's been a kind of a bit of a joker and you know you you mentioned the snowflakes thing and and that's kind of his character. But Jesus, they bought into him and, and you could see the emotion in the players after and the way they spoke about, about the victory and what it meant to him. And that's, that, was, that was a massive win for Cork. And yeah, I was, I was really glad to see it. Yeah. And I mean, six players to, to emerge onto a squad, you know, I, I think is, there's nothing wrong with that expectation. Mm. I think the expectation that supporters in particular very often have is that 
you know, the basis of that 20 squad should automatically become the basis of the senior squad, senior team yeah. next year. And that to me is, is totally irrational, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because the, the barometer that they're making that judgment and assessment on is 19-year-olds playing against other 19-year-olds. It, it's like the cliche, geez, he's a great club player, he should be on the county. Yeah. But the only evidence you can gauge, you know, where you can make that decision is by looking at him against other county players, not how well he plays against other club players. And sure. I suppose, I wouldn't say it was pressure, but there was a huge clamour in Kildare this year after last year's under-20 success, which was phenomenal for, for the county. Um, and for that young bunch of men, was that, Jesus, they, they'll become the cornerstone of the team. Uh, and there was nine of them brought into the squad and two started nearly every championship game. So, I mean, that, that was pretty pretty decent in yeah. the whole scheme of things. One in the full back line, one in the full forward line. Um, and two or three were very close. But that, that's a, that's about right. That's yeah. how it should be. Because, Jesus, if I mean, it's not 21 anymore, it's 20. So a few six or seven 20-year-olds making your county senior team, well, then you really need to look at what's been going on in the years before that. Yeah. Um, give them time. Don't rush them. The biggest challenge is the physical development because there's no doubt they have football if they're winning All-Irelands. But physically, the way senior is now, like going in to play Tyrone in Crow Park next week, and you, and you have a, very few like David Clifford and Sean O'Shea like very few very few 60 kilos 5 foot 10 you know running into Colin McCaffrey you know what I mean mm. and Paul Campsey behind him different animal different you'll know, animal. know about that tomorrow morning yeah uh, okay folks we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up um, thanks again for joining us and, and a special thanks to, to to my guests in studio Tony Lean Tony McEntee and Kean O'Neill uh, and again as always you can listen on iTunes SoundCloud or Spotify or irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast and thanks again for listening with Renault passion for what drives you official car partner of the GAA Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.